Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest conversations can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, Let's dive in. Nicole, always excited to be on the microphone with you. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing on this beautiful Friday, Sydney morning? Oh, spring has sprung. I've got my little spring blouse on. I'm just very, yes. You look amazing, by the way. (laughs) And you're pretty in pink today. Pink's my favorite color. You look great. Yeah, but I I come in here after like a red eye flight and like a high pony. And but yeah, we're good. We're good. You you still look great. You still look great. Thanks, love. Oh, Oh, today. Wow. Okay. You feel like talking about decision making? I, I feel like talking about it and I know how excited you are to talk about decision making. Remember, you were going to write a book about this, right? I was going to write a book about this. I might still write a book about this. I have a lot of notes. <laughs> so don't hold back. This one's for okay. you. <laughs> no, I, thank you. Thank you. Throughout this episode, I will uncover my obsession with decision making and how that came to be. But to kick things off, Nicole, I thought uh, it might be helpful to just kind of introduce how each of us currently approaches decision making and maybe walk through a recent big decision that you've made and how you got there. Hmm. I mean, I was throwing it to you, but really I am all equally obsessed with decision making. Um, I don't know if I ever told you, but something that people, people, friends, family, people close to me would say about me is that, um, oh, you're so indecisive. Uh, Mm. you you find it hard to make a decision. And it was one of those things that I really believed about myself that I'm a very indecisive, indecisive, right? Not indecisive, right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds very familiar, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. People would always tell me that. And so I naturally thought, oh, this is just a personality trait. This is who, this is who I am. Then in more recent times, I realized that it's not that I'm indecisive, it's that my process is quite, it's a bit long. Okay. It's a bit thought out. It probably goes a little bit longer than someone else's thought making process, uh, decision making process. But I realize it's that that's how I like to make decisions. I do reflect a lot. I do weigh up the pros and cons. And I know that can probably be a bit extreme if it's a very simple or, you know, in a decision that, you know, doesn't have a huge impact. But I think that's just generally how I default to making decisions. And I know that on our uh, calls in our mastermind, I spent a very long time talking to you guys about a massive decision that I had to make. Uh, when was it now? It's been a year. Last year. Yeah. July of I last year. I can't believe it's been a year. It's been more than a Over year. Over a yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And, and dear listeners, we're referring to a major operation and it was the decision to have a hysterectomy and to actually come to deciding what I was going to do, whether I was going to have it or not. 
was a really long, long cycle, decision-making process, whatever you want to call it. It's you a remember, big right? decision. I d- absolutely remember. And I felt for you in that process because... Yeah, I can totally relate to kind of having like that indecisive. I feel like I can argue either way really well. Um, you know, there's so many things to consider. And yeah, I definitely Yeah, but remember. I think why, why it's a helpful example is because when I think back to um, the way I came to that conclusion and the decision and how I worked through it, it's probably reflective of how I make a lot of big decisions in business, in life, and just in general. So I thought that might be just a helpful um, one to go through. So how did yeah. I how did I approach that? Well, there were many steps, but one of the things that I know about myself, I'm a big researcher. I love to research all the facts and get all the facts. Um, before I make up my mind. And that can obviously take a long time. And, and, and one of the other things that I do a lot is I need to talk to friends. I need to talk it out. That's the other thing that I also do. So having you Super guys. Super helpful. Yeah. I mean, you remember, like, I, I must have brought it up every single time. I think everyone around me was quite sick of the fact. Just make a decision already. But everyone, Not but, me. Not no, me. No, I was like, even. I can totally see why she's bringing this up a lot. I would too. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I just found it helpful. And, you know, that's why I'm so grateful for the friends and people in my life, because I do remember the fact that people were just, you know, willing to listen and just help me talk through it, because that is a lot of the times how I make decisions. So I think just recognizing that I needed to talk it out is something that I recognize in myself as how I approach. Uh, and that, and I started to, re- I only realized that quite recently. Um, you know, I'd hear comments like, oh, you really need to talk things out before you make, you make a decision. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, I also do my lists, my pros and cons. Yes. Um, I love second, and you know, and with the decision like this to have an operation, uh, I do remember having, going to get a second opinion from two doctors, not because I didn't trust the first uh, doctor, but again, I like to do my research. And when I say research, I'm not going to take, I mean, I tried to read medical journals and not very successful obviously it's another language when you're not a doctor so you know when I say research I'm not going on you know Facebook comments and people's opinions I'm trying to actually do legitimate research but it's really hard when that's not your field of expertise well and it's really hard when it's such a personal decision so I feel like talking to someone about your specific situation and I mean just for a little bit of background if you don't mind this was you know, like a a medical decision, like this was going to, it wasn't like, should I have a hysterectomy for just, you know, because I want to, um, this was going to help your health in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just for a bit of context, it was, um, you know, I'd been kind of suffering, you know, it was pretty bad for about a, a year, 18 months to yeah, a year. And so this was a way out an option Um, but there were alternatives, you know, I could have chosen not to, and because it's such a final decision, it's, 
you know, you're always told in, in when it comes to major surgery that there are always risks and complications, right? So, you know, is the risk of actually not go, not going through with it? Is it? No, I, t- I totally know what you mean. Well, I think that because it, there was an option, that makes the decision even more difficult, right? Because it's not like a doctor came to you and said, Nicole, you need to do this or else you will never like, you know, feel optimal again. It was kind of like, you could do this and you should feel optimal again, but there mm-hmm. is a chance that you would do this and, you know, maybe it won't correct everything mm-hmm. or, you know, put you on the path that you want. And when you have that, it's kind of like, does the reward, what's the risk reward, right? Yes, exactly. Thank you for, <laughs> <laughs> for summarizing that. Um, yeah. And I just remember, you know, I, I needed a, very thorough, investigative. I remember even, you know, thinking, should I talk to someone professionally about this? Because I want to make sure that I am actually, my approach to decision-making is the correct. And I know you've mentioned this before, like you want to know that the way you're actually approaching the decision is this the best way to do it? So it's it's a bit of a mind bender, right? Like you're kind of meta going, totally. <laughs> I have to make the decision. And the way I'm making the decision, is this the best way to make the decision? Classic, wow. like overthinking, <laughs> which is what I'm best yeah. at. And yeah, I mean, to your point earlier too, I, I've kind of, you know, played into the whole being indecisive, which is was a big mindset shift for me to be like, no, I can't continue saying that I'm an indecisive person because that's keeping me in an indecisive way, right? Yeah. So I, I try I try that with overthinking as well to not necessarily mm-hmm. like label myself as that. But again, it's a big decision when you're talking about your health and your body and and all of that. So, okay, so you talked to friends, you did a lot of research, you got second opinions. I'm sure you talked to your family about this. Um, You weighed the risk reward, you made pros and cons lists. Watched a lot of YouTube videos, which which was interesting because it's one of those topics, especially when it comes to women's health and something like this, Yes, there's stuff out there, but there could be a lot more, you know. Mm. There could Mm -hmm. be a lot more, which is why I think it's helpful to share the stories and, you know, and share our experiences because something like this actually turns out to be quite common. I didn't feel like there was enough information out there. Like I felt like I could have – there could have been more. Um, So, yeah. So adding YouTube videos to that list. To the list. (laughs) So what was the final, what kind of helped you get to that final decision? You you did go through with the surgery. Yeah. And it was very successful. And you feel great. It's successful. The reward definitely came through. Which is all, I mean, literally life changing. It was. It was life changing. Yeah. and I'm so grateful that I did it and I had an amazing doctor and I just feel like I, I'm i actually grateful in the end, in hindsight, that, yeah, it took probably 
I want to say maybe six months in total to make that decision. So if I add this, probably like two years in total from, you know, this being an issue in, with my health and then finding this solution. So two years, yeah, it's a long time. But in hindsight, it's no, it's not that bad, actually. It's not that uh, long. So... Um, well, I think you have to consider, too, that for that year or year and a half where you were like not feeling great, you didn't know what the issue was. And it's not like right when you started feeling, you know, kind of not your ideal best self. It's not like you were like, oh, well, if I just have a hysterectomy, then I'll feel better. So, I mean, you can't even really say that it was two years because your actual decision making period was much shorter than that. No, given you're right. The, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the end, I suppose it came down to me making the decision, you know, in part of the decision making process, you always hope that someone else has the answer. And someone, I remember thinking, I wish someone would just tell me what to do. And I, I know that sounds really silly, but I think a lot of the times when you're faced with a huge decision, you almost just feel like, can somebody just tell me what's the right thing to do? And I was always met with, this is your decision. Ultimately, it's your decision no one's going to tell you what to do and you have to find that answer within yourself. And I remember clearly after having what I thought, you know, done a very thorough investigation, research, all of that, talking it out, pretty much exhausting everything that I felt like, okay, if I've done all of these things and I still feel really strongly about it, it has to be the right decision. And so when I came to say, yep, I'm doing it, booking in the date, I felt super confident. I felt super comfortable. I was prepared to face like the possibility of the risks and things that could go wrong, which is scary. Um, of course, it's not like it wasn't in the back of my mind, but I remember being very, very comfortable and very confident. And in the end, it just felt like it was the right thing to do. And I had no one else to really turn to or, or you know, give me that answer other than myself. So... Yeah, it's given me confidence in now it's given me a lot of confidence in not feeling like I'm an indecisive person or I take too long to process things because I think that thoughtfulness, I used to think it was a bad thing. And that thoughtfulness now I see it as um, kind of something that gives me a bit of stability and, you know, helps me be really confident in the, in a massive decision. And that's really great. I do think that that is such a critical part of decision making and confidence and, um, you know, so many other things is that we have to allow um, these positive experiences to help us move forward with, you know, better, you know, feeling like we've become better at decision making or feeling more confident and saying like, okay, I can do this. Maybe, uh, and if it doesn't go perfect every single time that you move forward knowing, okay, I can do better next time, uh, learn a lesson or, you know, whatever it might be. No, I feel really, yeah, I feel really grateful at how it, how it all went. And I think that when you, that confidence that you're talking about also plays out in the post decision because you're so confident that either way, whatever the result is, you don't have that experience of kicking yourself or um, being resentful or regretful. So I think this is why this topic is super important because it's what happens after. If things don't go well, for whatever reason, you're still left knowing that 
I made the best decision, you know, and that confidence is really a relief. It's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. So what about you? Yeah. So for me, I would say that one of um, a huge decision for me and one that I feel kind of like kickstarted this decision making obsession for me was when I decided that I wanted to have kids when John and I decided together that we wanted to have kids. And um, that felt like such a turning point for so many different reasons. But when it came to decision making, I kind of, you know, I was going into this decision that will clearly change my life and and change um, this future human's life and John's life and our life together. And it just uh, felt like, it felt bigger than any decision I've ever made. And, you know, when you bring up the idea of sort of what happens after the decision is made and, um, you know, how do you feel after that? That was a big thing for me in making that decision and approaching like whether to have kids or not is how I tried to imagine myself in 10 years if we had kids and 10 years if we didn't have kids. And that was such a huge part of me being able to make that decision, I think. From a regret point of view? Because I find that interesting. Or just, yeah? um, Both. So Uh I I could almost see it from, so in, in 10 years having kids, I had all these like amazing things and this experience, John and I having a family together, um, being a mother, all of these things. And then when I thought about not having kids, all I could think about was regretting not having kids. There wasn't really like this other side to it where I was like, I mean, I guess like very peripherally, obviously having kids, like you can still do a lot of stuff, but it's going to be different. And with how much John and I love like our freedom and travel, as we talked about in the last episode, um, and all of those things, very peripherally, I could see if we didn't have kids, how all of that could continue forever. And it would never be, it wouldn't have to be different, you know? But but that wasn't necessarily even a positive because I was almost like felt like I was at a turning point where like I kind of want it to be different. I want to have a different experience and be sharing that with a family. And so, yeah, it it was. So I don't know if that really answers your question. I guess part of it was like the only the only thing that I could think of when I thought of myself in 10 years not having kids was that I would regret not having kids. Um, But certainly thinking equally, if not even more um, sort of what pushed me into that decision was thinking in 10 years, what my life be like with kids. And I had so many, like, it's almost like I could already like, feel the memories and the experience and and all of that. And that was, I hadn't always felt that way. And I think that that is, you know, when, 
I've approached this decision many times in throughout my life. I've never, well, I guess John and I have been together for 10 years now. So we certainly have been in a position before to talk and think about having kids. And I haven't always felt that way. There have been times earlier in my life where, and even earlier in my relationship with John, where I, I didn't see all of that. And I don't know why, um, I guess just trusting that it wasn't the right time um, and, and being okay with that. Well, no, but that's a, that's a really, it's, it, yeah, you hadn't seen it that way before, but seeing it from a perspective of would I regret this decision, I think is actually a really useful decision-making um, tool, thought strategy, strategy, <laughs> strategy. That's probably the better word. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is a big geeky and maybe not everybody loves Jeff Bezos, but um, he has this video where he talks about a re- regret minimization framework. Mm. And it's like a three minute video. It's great because when you're faced with a big decision, he came up with this framework of would I regret it? If I think of, if I fast forward, if I project my future self, which is what you did, if I project my future self 10 years from now, when it comes to this decision, will I regret not having made it? And, you know, whatever you think of um, our friend Jeff, <laughs> he's not really our friend, but uh, I think that's a really useful way of approaching decision making. And I think even in my um, process of, of, of the operation, I remember thinking, will I regret living another few years with this not ideal health situation with this pain with what what, everything that's going on won't I regret all these years that I could have had my quality of life back um so I think I approached it as well um in that in that way and I think it is helpful because I, I, yeah, I think thinking about, will I regret this decision? Yeah. Well, and it, it reminds me too, and I know that we've talked about this book in uh, at least one of our episodes, is that the 10 regrets of the dying. And it kind of, you know, did get me thinking about, I don't want to live my life with regrets of any kind, um, not not even just related to kids, but uh, that's just not how I want to live. And so, it, yeah, if I can look at myself in 10 years not having had kids and that might be a potential regret, I don't want to regret that. And I mean, a lo- a lo- very much along the same lines as you, even though these, you know, are obviously quite different decisions. I'm not comparing our decisions in any way. But um, like you, a lot of my, uh, how I approach decision making is also a lot of conversations with friends, which I feel in this scenario for me, it was a huge positive. Um, You know, I don't know if you were able to talk with any other women who have had hysterectomies. Was that? No. Who were also, yeah. And I remember that being one of my, I remember thinking that I wish I just knew one person who had it done. And that, and, and when I think about, you know, me approaching having kids, every, uh, a vast majority of my friends have had kids. You know, I do have a handful of very close friends, including you, who have either decided not to have children. I have a couple of friends here in Puerto Rico who have also decided not to have children. And, um, but 
you know, those conversations are are equally helpful because I do feel like at again, at certain points that I have been in the boat of, you know, maybe I will not have children. And so talking with people who have definitively made that decision has been incredibly helpful, along with, of course, talking with friends who have decided to have children and who have kids that are, you know, ranging. And I have friends who are pregnant right now, all the way up to friends who have, you know, 12, 15, 16 year olds. So um, being able to have those conversations with people who I know and love and trust on both sides of the spectrum um, has has really been huge. I, can't, I really can't imagine too many big decisions I've made, if any, that did not involve chatting with friends or family to even just to get perspective or feedback. Um, so that has always been a huge part of my decision-making um, process. It's fu- it's funny that you say um, that you can't imagine not ever making a decision where you've talked it out with someone. I feel I feel I feel the same way, uh, but I'm sure that there we've probably I don't know maybe maybe it's true, but I feel that we probably have made decisions alone sometimes, and or when people do feel like. What if you feel like you can't share the decision that you're facing? Like the case with a hysterectomy, that's a pretty personal, you know, no one, you know, talking about health and, and, and a decision like that. It's not kind of the thing that you want to just be, you know, over every lunch, coffee, whatever, uh, with everyone. So, you know, there probably might be decisions that you might feel like you have to make them more alone or you don't feel like you can share it with as many people but what I think I learned from from my whole experience was I remember distinctly wishing I had more people to talk to and not feel as as alone in the whole decision process yeah but I also think that we underestimate the power of this might sound kind of weird but hear me out um having those conversations with ourselves because, you know, as a recovering indecisive person <laughs> and a recovering overthinker, um, I think that it, like you said too, and, and I totally hear where you're coming from, and I've absolutely felt this way before, like you kind of just want someone else to make the decision. And in, if, you're, if you're always automatically looking at it as I wish someone else would just tell me what to do or I wish I had someone else to talk to or I wish I had someone else's opinion, I wish I had input, I wish I had, you know, I want to know what other people think, you're almost like not even giving yourself a chance, right? And so if we can, I'm not trying to be woo-woo, but I did this a ton when I was making the decision about kids. I wrote in a notebook, I, hey, that's how my book started (laughs) on decision-making. I started writing my book on decision-making because I was literally typing out in a Google Doc and like making notes in my notebook about what this looks like and, and what I'm thinking. And I think a lot of the times we just don't even give ourselves a chance to be able to get our own thoughts out on paper to be able to, because when it's just like sitting in your head and you're like, okay, I've been thinking about this for a long time, that's different than getting it out on paper. That's different than writing it. Um, so, you know, to your point, there 
if there is a, a situation or scenario that I'm ever in where I don't really like maybe quite feel comfortable talking to people about it or, you know, it's a situation where I don't feel like anybody can relate. And so maybe I'm, you know, that I don't have close friends that I could talk to who can relate, then, um, then that would be my first step, you know, just starting to get my thoughts out on paper. Cause I think that that really can move the needle in a big way. Yeah, I agree. Um, it gives you so much clarity. Like I, I, I picked up journal writing really, really only recently, but I saw in the times that I have been, you know, writing in a journal, how clear my thoughts can be just by writing them down. Uh, it's very powerful. Well, well, and I think that we have a lot more opinions and thoughts and perspectives on certain things than than we might initially think. You know, after you start writing, you're like, oh, wow, I really have a lot to say about yeah. this. <laughs> yep. Yep. The same way we do in conversations, right? Sometimes we'll get talking about a topic and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that I had all these thoughts about this. <laughs> um, and, and when you don't give yourself the opportunity to have those thoughts, you won't. And that's the same in a conversation. And of course, it's different, but you can still accomplish that through journaling or, you know, just opening up a document and starting to type. So, yeah, I mean, decision making is it is a, a tricky little, tricky little thing. And how far I mean, have we you do gotten? Have, oh, I was going to say, how far have you gotten in your book? I know you've written a blog post, right? You've got a big blog post on, on your yes. on EO Fire, right? Yeah. Or you wrote? So I went from writing a book about it to then I said, okay, I'm going to record a podcast season about it. And then I ended up just writing a massive blog post about it, which is where I probably should have started out first. You know, <laughs> anyone that really thought it out would have said, I'll write a blog post, then I'll do a podcast series, then I'll write a book. <laughs> I went the opposite way. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely look yes. to it. That's uh, something that uh, we should all check out. I, I actually want to yeah. read it. I haven't read it yet, so... Well, I'm excited to build on it. We also have, um, in addition to that resource, a lot of my research that I did when I was, you know, first kind of coming to this was through James Clear, who I absolutely adore and appreciate very much. Um, and he has some great content on decision making. So we'll link to one of his articles on that as well. I mean, I know that those who are tuning in can relate to this. And, you know, we gave a couple of pretty massive examples today. But of course, there are decisions that we make in our everyday life that while they might not be to the magnitude of having a, you know, surgery and a hysterectomy or deciding whether or not to have kids, um, they still are important decisions and they're not easy to make all the time. And so as we close out today's chat on decision making, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing so openly and for always being an ear for me and a, a shoulder to lean on. I super appreciate that more than you know. <laughs> and friends, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two that you can carry with you today and moving forward, especially when it comes to decision making to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it the most. And friends, maybe you've uh, made a big decision in your life or maybe you're facing a massive decision right now. So, you know, we're happy to hear from you. We're happy for, for you to share that with us. Um, and you can just email us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you directly. Shoot us an email at hey at canrelatepodcast.com. That's H-E-Y at canrelatepodcast.com. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram. 
just search Nicole and Kate can relate and uh, let us know what you think of this episode and if um, yeah if there's anything on your else on your mind we're happy to hear it all right friends until next time